0: We are live. So, uh, I'm Steve, a.k.a. Breck, with Role Playing Degenerates. I have with me Josh Super J. Um, join our podcast and talk about Dungeons & Dragons, or, as I just found out, Pathfinder, which I like talking about Pathfinder, too. So, Josh, how did you get started with Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder 3.5, whatever you started first, how did you get started with Dungeons & Dragons?
1: Um, so, I got started with 3.5 Dungeons & Dragons Um, in high school Mm -hmm. uh I had one of my buddies who I'm great friends with now. He uh I remember he was walking through the halls and it looked real sad one day. And so I like just went up to him and started talking, and he had just brought up this game where he's like, Hey, I don't really have people to play with and all of my friends were nerds, so we were like, We've never played this Dungeons and Dragons, why not? Um and So that got me started into Dungeons & Dragons, really. Um, Simple beginnings, you know? Yeah.
0: So you went from 3.5 to uh, 3.75, aka Pathfinder, Way That's kind of where you stuck.
1: Uh, Yeah. So I went from 3.5 to uh, when I joined the military. uh, One of my buddies introduced me to Pathfinder. And that's pretty much where I stuck. I've only recently gotten into 5e.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, I went. I was. What service are you in now? Uh, I'm in the Navy. You're in the Navy. Okay. So I was in the Marine Corps originally. Never heard anything about D and D. Hopped over to the Army, and it like was everywhere. So I was like surprised because we would have played in the Marine Corps as as like everyone talks about Marines and how they really are. But if you're in the barracks with them, and I'm sure you can attest, if you've been around them, they're some of the biggest nerds, some of the biggest idiots, and they would love to play this game. So, um, I was surprised I didn't see it, but every time I talk to somebody, uh, that is on this podcast, like the third of them are like, Oh, I'm actually doing military. We play in the barracks all the time. This is really fun. Oh, yeah. All yeah. the time. Yeah. It's, it's funny how that works out. Uh, what do you do in the Navy?
1: Um, so I'm an engineer. Uh, so basically I work on everything from air conditioners to boiler units. So if it's got a gear whistle, whizzes and bangs, I fix it pretty much. like -hmm. your jack-of-all-trades yeah
0: that's cool Um, terrible i mean at least it transfers over uh oh yeah in the civilian sector for sure um so so what do you are you playing with people in the military in your unit
1: uh yeah so i've got uh two games that i'm playing right now um i've got one with uh an actual with the unit that i'm with and then i've got another one that i play over discord uh with some other military guys that i know
0: Oh, nice. Um, what is it about D&D? I always ask people this, like, what is it about D&D that makes it special? What is it about D&D that, like, when you talk to someone, like, oh, it's just make-believe, but then you get into it. And it's like, it's make-believe, but but it's, like, the same feeling when you watch The ending Story and you see Falkor. Like, you get into, like, this really cool scene. So what is it about D&D that's a little different?
1: So I think for me, I think what makes D&D a little different is, like, um... You know, you you could watch, like, Lord of the Rings, you could watch Star Wars, and you can connect to all those characters, read Harry Potter, um, and all that stuff, and really just start, like, oh, I relate to this character, this, that, and the other thing. I think what makes D&D uh, special is the fact that you are the character. Like, mm-hmm. this is, you're, you're completely building it. Like, you pick the backstory, you pick its traits, like, what you want to do, how you want to play, Um all the alignment and just everything else you want to do it the character isn't just you reading and living the world through the character you're living the world as the character like it's the only place i've really seen that you really take on the character because you are the character
0: yeah it's it's weird when people ask me like how do you what is done because i'll i'll talk about it at work all the time and i have a word game um going but other people will be like, "Hey, what is Dungeons and Dragons? Like, how do you explain explain it to me so I can understand it?" And I always tell them, "I can't explain to you that I, you won't understand. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't comprehend until someone drops a dragon mini in front of you for the first time after fighting goblins, or you know, your character dies and like that's it. Like, there's certain things in DD. I can explain to you that everything's role based and everything is kind of role playing and it's something your character would do, and you get to have magic or you're a fighter and they have different, different abilities." But, like, the feeling of when your character dies or you defeat a big bad or, or you know, something goes wrong, you didn't think it's going to go wrong, or you guys can't stop li- laughing at a random dick joke in the middle of a tavern. It's, like, one of those things where you can't, I can't really explain to you what D&D is without you playing it. Um, but I promise you, it's, like, a really great game.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it really is like that, especially when you get, like, a really... Like a really good group of uh, people, or a really good DM, and your DM's just awesome at building the world around you, and you're playing with a bunch of your buddies. So you already know how they're thinking, sort of, in life, and then you just kind of play off each other's like stupidity and your banter and everything, and it just really becomes this like deep enveloping game of just existing in in a different place.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I, I say in almost every podcast, you can have. A really really crappy group and it doesn't matter if you're fighting you know dragons in a mountain or you know it's not fun but if you have like a really really good group you guys could literally just be failing on every investigation check inside a tavern and trying to get information and rolling nat one after nat one it's still like the best time to play e- even though it's, you're not doing as well
1: have you ever had a bad group or dm um yeah, so I had I had a really bad DM once. Um, he was one of those DMs that just he had he he was really good if you stayed in the confines of his story. Yeah. But as soon as you did something he wasn't expecting or like you pulled off a role he wasn't prepared for. Yeah. He just wasn't wasn't quick on his feet at like adapting the world situation yeah. or having fun with it. Um so I, I don't know if I'd say like he he was necessarily a bad DM. I just think he wasn't a good DM for our group because the group I was playing with was one of those that we just would always go off the wall. Like yeah. <laughs> we would just do random stuff. Yeah, it, it's hard
0: for, I, you know, I that's every time I ask somebody about if you've had a bad DM or bad experience, I think the number one answer is what you just said. Like this DM had a story he was writing a novel, and if you went outside of that story arc, it was like the worst and he wouldn't let you do it or just he couldn't come up with things on the fly. And as a DM, I can tell you the first couple sessions, I was like sweating bullets when that happened. But after I've DM for a while, it's like, now it's the most fun you could ever, as a DM, when the characters do something outside of your little storyline and it ends up being better, it's one of those things where you're just like, I'm just a moderator at this point and I'm just, I'm kind of seeing where this goes. And that's where it's like this game is at its peak when everybody, including the DM, is kind of wanting to see what happens next.
1: Agreed. I I think that's always the most fun. Yeah, for sure. Those DMs that are just quick on their feet, like uh, the game I'm playing with my unit, um, our DM, we came in and he was like, okay, so here's the baseline. You guys are starting here and this is where you're trying to go. That's it. He's like, I have no other story for you guys everything else up to you let session zero let's go and it has been one of the most fun campaigns ever this guy is super quick on his feet like he'll he'll let us get away with absolute just madness things where we'll be like can we do this and he's like i don't care if that's what you want to do let's send it yeah. like
0: yeah yeah
1: it's it's really
0: that that's where this game is at its height and actually i don't know if you're familiar with uh Guy from How to Be a Great GM. He's he's on YouTube. He's got like a quarter of a million followers, um, but he's worked for Wizards of the Coast on a few occasions. And I got to interview him one time, and he told me there used to be competitions at conventions where you would show up on a Friday, you'd get a ticket, and you would sit down at a table on Friday and Saturday, and if you stayed till Sunday, they would announce the winner, and you would sit down at a table of random people for a one shot, and these judges would give you a lot, just one sentence. And the sentence was like, uh, the princess is captured. There's a princess captured by a group of trolls going to this location. And you had ten minutes, and then you started with a group of strangers. And they would do that two days in a row or longer, and you would determine the winner at the end. they would judge on decisiveness, rules, um, uh, being clever, uh, not letting any you know, not letting people get too powerful. Do you know? Is control of the table. And they said that he would do that, like, you know, every convention he went to back in the day, this is the 80s or 90s, I think, um, he would do that. But they got one sentence, and he said it made him really, really good at that I-know-the-rules situation, so if we go here, you know, if they make a decision, like they decide to kill a cop, well, obviously, people are coming after you now. So he'd be writing in his notes, like, okay, they killed a cop, you know, they're going to investigate, so they better get out of there if they don't get out of there, you know. So it's one of those situations where he thought that that actually enhanced the game was just one simple line other than 12 hours of prep.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can see that, you know. Like, I, I think that makes it more interesting for the DM because it makes it it makes it challenging for the DM. Like, yeah. now, now they have to start, like, being involved besides just kind of guiding a narrative. Yeah, I couldn't
0: do that. I told him that. I was like, I'm one of those people who preps, I wake up like at 8 in the morning on the day, I have a... Session at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I am sweating. And I've already prepped throughout the week, but I'm sweating to get all the prep in. And just for my group to go a different direction, and I'm like, well, I guess all this prep didn't mean anything to me, which is fun. Um, So you said you don't dabble in five e
1: right now, right? Um, no, I am. Uh, the two games I'm a part of now, um, are five e. Both of the games I'm playing are five e. Um, so it's really the first experience I've had with 5e, um, it's, it's interesting to see some of the differences.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've talked to, it's hard because I came straight to 5e, uh, pretty much the critical role route, you know, I met some people in the army, they, they watched Critical Role, I got on the Critical Role, we all played 5e, um, and, and like 3.5 players and Pathfinder players are, it's easy for them to mash together, because they're somewhat similar styles. But if you start going into fourth edition and fifth edition, and we don't talk about fourth edition. But if you were to talk about fourth edition, uh, it's totally different than five e. Um, so what are your so what are your thoughts on it? Like, I mean, you're a Pathfinder player. You don't have all these knowledge history checks or these knowledge checks. Uh, something's a little different. Advantage is a little different. Everything's a little more supposed to be simplified. So what are your thoughts on it? Um, I.
1: I like 5e. I, mm-hmm. I still like Pathfinder a little more. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm biased because I started 3.5 and then went into Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, but I like how 5e feels easier to get into. 5e feels easier for someone who's never played D&D, never really had the experience of like having to completely embody a character. It yeah. feels like a better stepping stone while pathfinder pathfinder you, you kind of have to know what you're doing like you, you kind of yeah. got to understand like if i want to think this i'm probably going to have to roll for it and everything you, you know what i mean yeah yeah there's yep. definitely more in depth yeah
0: we've i've like mixed i've mixed with some pathfinder players and they've came over and played 5e and i honestly as a dm for them i didn't have to even say they just knew like they, they were able to read the character sheet which compared to Pathfinder is like, it's like Cliff Notes compared to what you do in Pathfinder. <laughs> and so they're like, they read this like five minutes, like, oh, Wizard, uh, this is it, guy, it. okay, let's play. And they were legitimately able to play in like two days' time. And they're playing, the only thing they had a question on was like, advantage, like, what is advantage? And I told them, hey, if you roll twice because I have a number or a disadvantage. Like, oh, okay, but Pathfinder players, but well, we went to go try to play Pathfinder. Um, and we still haven't even, it's been like a month-long journey. We haven't played yet. We just make our character sheets, like every week we get together. And I'm like, okay, I think it's done. Can you check it out? I don't know. You, no, you can You can do more. You get more feats. You can pick more. You have to put, you know, You know. if you're older, you get a disadvantage if you're a certain age. Uh, it's a lot. And you really have to know your character sheet.
1: Yeah. And I, I like it. Like, I like 5e for the simplicity of just being able to sit down and play a game. Um, yeah. The shorter amount of prep work for your character and everything. Um, like my buddies and I, we have a we have a Pathfinder game that uh, back home. So whenever I go home on leave, I'll play with these guys. And this game's been going on for like two years at this point. Yeah. Um. But I like Pathfinder just because it's so in depth with your character. Like every everything you do, like you you really have to think exactly like the character does. Um. So I enjoy that. But I like the quicker. The quicker paced games of 5e is, is how I would describe it.
0: Yeah, we've seen this like resurgence in D&D in the last five ten years. Um, what do you think that's attributed to? I mean, do you think it's because of the rule set? 5e came out in 2014 and people just like picked up on it's way easier than 4th four, edition because it got really conf- confusing. And Pathfinder is like an, a niche thing that if you're a Pathfinder player. Like, every Pathfinder player I've talked to, they're not leaving Pathfinder. It doesn't matter if there's a 6th edition, a 7th, an 8th. Like, a lot of those Pathfinder players are like, this is it, 1st edition Pathfinder or whatever. Like, this is my game. And they usually stick to it. But what, what do you think, like, the resurgence in D&D has been about the last couple of years?
1: I, uh, personally, I think the resurgence in Pathfinder, uh, not Pathfinder, in, in D&D, Pathfinder, all those games in general... <laughs> I, I would say that would have to come from, I feel like storytelling in like movies and all of that, anyways. Because because look at what you got in the last like five to ten years, anyways. You've got the Harry Potter series that came out. You had Lord of the Rings. I mean, Marvel is huge right now. Um, I think all of that has come from just being able to make see like such these expansive and big worlds that. Uh, all these big companies have put out on the mainstream media. Um, I think that's allowed people to kind of see just how creative and awesome you can get and open more people up to the idea of like, oh, you want to play a D&D session? Well, you can do a Marvel session and like be Iron Man, mm-hmm. so to speak, yeah. um, you know, like, like there are options for those kinds of things. So I, I think that's part of where that resurgence has come from. Is people being able to see that it's not that hard to make a really in enveloping and encasing like world for you to play in?
0: Yeah, and you kind of brought up an interesting point with all these stories since the two thousand, like two thousand and now. Is if you look pre two thousand, you don't see very many movies go past an hour and a half long trilogy set. I mean, that's about it. You got a trilogy set, maybe like you get three movies in succession, maybe. And after that, it's like, or before that, it's like, there's not really anything going on super long. But then after 2000, I mean, Game of Thrones, uh, all the Marvels, there's like 20, you know, you, so you're seeing like longer editions, I mean, Harry Potter, eight movies, you're seeing longer editions of stories play out. And I think you're right, That probably does have something to do with people sitting down and playing Dungeons and Dragons. Because when you describe, when someone always asks, asks me this question, how do you end Dungeons and Dragons? like what's what's the end goal and really the end goal for me is just adventuring there's really like, the end is obviously you know whatever your party wants it to be so like my party it's not necessarily to get to level 20 but it's to complete their story arc and make them heroes of the realm and then we'll end it there in a couple of years and that that'll be like the ending but the whole adventure was just going on adventure and hanging out there was no really you're not really trying to pass go and collect $200 you know what i mean so i think yes yeah. something about
1: that and and I definitely I definitely think that has like a part of it, and I'll use since we brought it up since I brought it up. But like the Harry Potter movies, like look back in uh, what year was it? Um, I want to say like twenty eleven or whatever when the final Harry Potter movie came out. Like just yeah. think of the poster that it, they had for it. It was just the a, a poster with Hogwarts in the background and it had Harry and Voldemort on it there was no, there was no title, no release date, and it just said, it ends now. And that was yeah. it. It was like yeah. four words and everyone just knew this was right. the final installation. And I yeah. think, I, I think that definitely helped with it. Cause that you know, you made a great series when I don't even have to tell you what it is. Like I just go, yeah. it ends. Yeah, you know? it's happening,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Have you seen? Have you seen any of the uh, role playing groups out there, like Dimension Twenty
1: or Critical Role? Have you seen any of them? Um, I've watched a little bit of Critical Role. I've never watched Dimension Twenty. Um, so, like I, I've seen some of the stuff Critical Role has done, and that's probably like the only one that I've really watched. Yeah. Um. I. I just haven't been able to, like, jump in and really follow anyone doing stuff. Because yeah. usually I'm playing myself.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. Well, what do you think? Th- like, when you watch the limited amount you watch, what did you think of that? Did you think it was good? I mean, you come from Pathfinder, but the the DM, Matt Mercer, he's actually a huge Pathfinder fan. So, you'll see him do ability checks maybe more often than some of the DMs.
1: And, um, I enjoy them. I think they, like, the ones that I did watch, I thought they were really cool. Um... Because they're really fleshed out. Like, I mean, you could probably take any any of the stories that Critical Role has done and legitimately make a book story out of it, and it would yeah. just be excellent to read. Yeah. Um, like, those guys, they're great to watch because they really know what they're doing. They know the ins and outs, the ups and downs, left, right, blah, blah. Um, so they're really fun to watch, I, me personally.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, what's your fa- Have you ever DM'd?
1: Um, I DM'd a couple of times. Yeah, I've done like a couple of one shots. Yeah, I'm um, nothing. Nothing too crazy. I'm not experienced yeah. enough to be like a dedicated DM.
0: Yeah, You know what? It's so funny because everyone I've talked to that's that's like got the D the DM fears. Like, I don't want to. I don't know if I'll you know do it or not. I don't know. I feel like if you're a good player, if you're a good player, you've played for a long time. You're going to DM, like, ju- like, you'll be just fine DMing. Um, but what does that fear come from? Not necessarily fear for you, but I mean, you probably have a good DM and you don't even need to. But like, what is that, like, anxious feeling when it goes to, like, oh, I'm DMing a group? I'm,
1: so I think, I definitely know, um, like, I remember the first time I DMed, I was totally nervous about it. Yep. Um, Really and truly I was nervous because it was, like, I don't want to make a bad story. I don't want to make yeah. it not in de- I don't know how in depth I need to explain things. I wasn't sure, like, how to build the world in a sense that made it super engaging and super fun. That was where my nerves kind of came in there, um, that I was, I was worried about, it was making sure that I could keep the players interested and constantly, jeez, constantly wanting <laughs> to do stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I think that fear comes in for a lot of people is just the uncertainty of how to build a great story.
0: Yeah, it is. It is weird. Like the first session, you don't know. Like you get the weird. Um, I interviewed somebody yesterday. You get that imposter syndrome where you think everyone's like looking right at you and you're like totally doing stand up and just not doing well. And it's not until like, after the session when someone's like, "Oh, let's do another session." and say, like, "Okay, I think I did good." So you, when you're up there, like, and the spotlight's on you, it's kind of like, "Man, I, is everyone just trying to be nice and being, you know, smiling, or am I just up here, you know, just eating gigantic plates of shit while everyone's having the worst time?"
1: Yeah, and then like, so after my first session, um, I like when I DM'd, I had a guy who this dude like DM'd like for thirty years. So I was really I was really nervous cuz I knew 3 out of like my 6 players sitting at the table were very experienced DMs. So I'm like, oh boy, like these guys if I make any any mistake, they're going to absolutely roll me. And the one DM walked up, the one guy walked up to me and went, "Hey man, like you did good for your first round." He was he was like, "You're a little bit nervous. There's a book you need to read called A Hero's Journey." Um And I read it, and it totally changed my perspective on how to DM. Because A Hero's Journey is basically just this book where it outlines, like, this is what a hero does. Like, from the humble beginnings, to meeting a mentor, to, like, going and doing the thing, to the result. Like, it completely outlines bare bones what every basic hero does. It's how uh, George Lucas wrote Star Wars. He literally based it off the sequence that that book laid out. And after I read it, I went, "Oh, I totally understand how to be a DM now. Like, it's that's actually really simple."
0: So, what what is is this a novel from like like early on, or what is
1: this? Yeah. So it's hold on a second. Uh, so it's where is it? It's like an old school. It's a it's a book called The Hero's Journey by uh, like Joseph Campbell. Okay. Um, and it, it's, when did it get written? I can't remember when it got written. But it talks about, there's 12 stages of a hero's journey. From their humble beginnings to finding, like, an elderly mentor that kind of teaches them and helps them train. Um, so there's this usually this, like, oh, what's it called? Um this threshold where they start entering their challenges and then the challenges that they face the abyss so like maybe death or a big defeat like think luke losing the darth vader in episode 5 is Wars. yeah gets his hand cut off and then you've got their transformation which is like luke when he goes back and trains with yoda again yeah uh they accept everything the return where they actually overcome their challenges and then it goes back to the status the new status quo of what the world's like afterwards you know after mm-hmm. the death star would have been blown up um, it's a really it's a really good read and it it lines everything out perfectly because basically Joseph Campbell sat down and read hundreds and hundreds of different series of books that all involved a hero to make basically like Okay, so this is pretty much how a hero gets written. He looked at Greek mythology stories, wrote the whole nine yards to see, like, oh, Hercules, humble beginnings, magical goddess powers to this and all the way through to kind of explain, like, what makes a hero. You know
0: yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to check that out. I That's the first I've heard of that, so that's, like, a really good
1: tip. Yeah, and it, it really helped me understand because it's one of those where when I DM now, I can kind of sit there and go, okay, cool, like, here are all the players, I got them together, that's their call to adventure, and then this is what's going to happen, here's, here's like the people they meet that kind of point them in the right direction or help them out, and then bring them through their circle, to all the way through, so like, my second time I DM'd, um, everyone afterwards was like, bro, we should totally do another shot, like, that was a really engaging story for a single shot campaign.
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting, some of the things you mentioned, and, and I don't, when I talk to other other DMs, they call, they, they, they call it something else, but it's it's basically two things that I've been kind of told, and I think it's probably the same thing in this book, even though I need to read it now, because it's, ever since you said it, I wrote it down, like, I gotta read this book as soon as I'm done with this, but um, they talk about two things in D&D, and one is, what is the purpose of each player, like and what's, what's, it's not just about and this is a, this also goes back to Star Wars because he referenced it. Um, George Lucas talks about episodes one, two, and three, and everyone's like, "Oh, there's a huge backlash over it." But he's having a conversation with Dave Filoni, and he's like, "This isn't about rancors, and it's not about uh, you know lightsabers, and it's not about blasters. It's really just a soap opera, and that's how I wrote it. It just so happens to be episodes one, two, and three. A soap opera between Anakin and and uh, Padme." And he's like, if you go back and watch it, like, especially episode two, you'll see this is just a soap opera because this is a story I wanted to tell. It just so happens to be in this portion of the story. And he's like, that's how I wrote it. And that was his purpose of it. You know, not everyone saw that purpose, even though I was a big fan of three. Um, but not everyone saw that purpose, but a lot of DMs will tell me it's the purpose of each character. Like, what does this character mean? to this person and that person has it all tied together? And then complications. And I think you said the defeat of the heroes in there. And I think that's a very important distinction. Is defeat in D&D is like a very, very good thing. If you just storm through every encounter and you kill everyone and save the princess, like good on you, but that doesn't like build the grit and that doesn't make it real. Like when you're everyone's down, about to get TPK'd and you guys decide, okay, pack your stuff, we have to leave. And I was like, we can't leave this person behind or whatever. Like, dude, we're gonna die. Like we're gonna die right now. All of us are gonna get TPK'd, we have to go and they go and they think about it and they're demoralized, but they come back a couple of levels later with a real game plan and use surprise and it uses weaknesses and they defeat it. Then that moment is like way, way better because they had to go back, revenge, think about it. Do we even do this? And then eventually they have to go through that um, difficulty, that that defeat that you were talking about. Um, So I'm going to read this book because I see
1: a lot of similarities in the way that other DMs talk as well. So that really comes down to like, and so it definitely relates to, to that book really well. Like, that's very similar. And, like, I'm a Dark Souls player. Probably one of my favorite video game series ever is Dark Souls. And I think because I know a lot of people who play D&D who love that series because it's mm-hmm. kind of the same mentality. Like, you walk into a boss fight and you're like, oh, I got this. And then you just get absolutely demolished for, like, ever. And eventually you turn around and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go level up. I'm going to go come back with some different stuff. Um, and, like, that's a tip that I had a DM tell me one time. He was, like, this guy who had been DMing for, I think it was, like, 26 years. He told me he's, he's, like, usually halfway through the campaign, I'll come up with a singular boss. Like, I don't know, a great frost dragon or something where he's, like, I make sure that it's a boss I know they can't defeat. And I'll knock Everyone out but one character and I'll let that character retreat and take them all back just to give them that feel of like Hey, it's it is a serious thing. Like you guys aren't just gonna walk through my campaign Yeah,
0: and and that's a good that's what a good DM should do. We had a situation two days ago two nights ago And my characters are level six and they fought these really high-class wizards and the first indication they had is they want to you know cast a spell and I don't know if Pathfinder has this, but there's legendary resistances in 5e where you can just automatic f- pass whatever spell they have. And they, only a few characters get it um, in D&D or in 5e. And it's like really, really big characters. So their first inclination that they should probably run pretty soon after this is, you know, three of these entities had these legendary resistances and they were hitting them with fireballs and they were taking them down one shot at a time and they're, they were like losing limbs because I do... I do shock. Anything past half your hit points, something bad happens. Um, but they just kept fighting. They just kept fighting and kept staying. And, and I, I'm just like, hey, if you're going to stay here, and a character died, and luckily somebody had to vivify, but we kind of had a conversation afterwards. And I'm like, if you're going to sit there and stay and fight, you're you're dying. Like, I don't care if your character dies because then it's not fun for you if you can just roll through everyone. Or I'm just like, oh, you know what? Actually, you got away safely and everything's okay. Like, no, these people are trying to kill you, and you're going to die unless you either run. or. And so that moment was two nights ago for us. And I think they kind of understood, like, okay, from now on, guys, like, if we have to run, we have to run. Or I will TPK them. Like, I won't personally TPK them, but the situation, I like, think they... there's plenty of exit doors. Um, and it's really important for a group to understand, like, it's not just chasing goblins. Like, sometimes there's you're getting hunted. Like, you're... you are the prey, and you're getting hunted. And you have to get out of there and figure it out.
1: Yeah, um, I I think one of the best D and D sessions I ever had. Um, it was it well, it was Pathfinder. Let me correct my statement. Yeah, it Pathfinder. was a Pathfinder se- session, and I was playing I was playing a rogue, and my DM pulled me to the side before like right after uh, we did our session zero. We decided to just roll right into session one, basically. Mm-hmm. And he pulled me to the side right afterwards out of earshot of the rest of the players and he said, okay, part of your character's backstory, I'm giving this to you. Your character is trying to assassinate another party member. And I was like, but we agreed on no no
0: team like, no okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And he was like, we did. But your character wants to assassinate this guy for whatever reason. You can come up with that on your own. However, you as the player are going to redeem that and come up with a reason why they're not going to assassinate them. And I, I think that was one of the most fun things ever because it made me sit there and go, well, my character would like totally, totally kill them. But my DM wouldn't let me just go, oh, well, he my character's trying to kill you. He's like, you got to find a reason not to do it. And so it just, made this beautiful balance between what would my in-game character do and the challenge I had mm-hmm. as the player. Um, and that was a super fun fun thing that that DM would do.
0: Yeah, no, and that just goes back to the, the complications, and they can be more flavorful like that one. Um, but another complication that, and this is like, you can tell me your thoughts on this because I'm curious to, to hear it, but this is one of those complications that some people will, like, Really, not like a DM to do, and I used to not do this, but I have since started to do it because after hearing, uh, talking to a guy, and talking to some other, other people that I really respect, it made a lot of sense why they do it. Is tracking crossbow bolt ammunition, uh, tracking um, spell components for just the spells that require uh, gold, uh, have gold in the, in the uh, spell components, um, and then tracking if you have a free hand open to cast a spell. Some of these things, some of these things, DMs just automatically give you. But the reason I changed my tune on this, and like I said, I'd be interested to hear your your thought process, is because every time you go into a city, it's basically it has nothing to do with combat. Like most people think, well, you just don't really have combat. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with they go into a city, they talk to they go to the message board, they talk to the tavern keep, and they're out of the city. But they go over here. But if you bring complication, like, I only have one crossbow bolt left, we have to go get some supplies or something like that. Uh, not necessarily food, because I'm not, not tracking food yet, but they have to go get crossbow bolts and components, so they can go into a shop and talk to somebody. They can go in there and talk to somebody, and I can add another complication there. Or maybe they meet an NPC, because as you know, and I know, sometimes an NPC that the DM never even intended to be anything, for some reason... Is like a big part of their storyline because they just like that this person, as Furbo, just happened to have a long lost brother. They thought they saw Furbo brother, you know, last session, so now they have to bring him together, or whatever the case is. So, what do you think about those minor complications?
1: Um, uh, I I think it I think it depends. Um, I, and when I say it depends, uh, like if it's a quick one shot or like a game where there are say a beginning player like someone yeah. who's maybe yeah. it's their first one or two times playing i think that gets a little much for those yeah for those guys um and then especially the ones that are we're just here for like a quick story just to have something fun sure um i think that gets a little much but i enjoy that but i'm a pathfinder player mainly so for me that's almost kind of natural to have yeah. to keep track of some of those things because pathfinder does like i've like we have to care about all that. Yep. Carry weight the whole nine. Yep. Um so I, I think that's I think those are really fun because it does add a a layer and it's it's not a big layer, like it's not something where it's like game breaking or ridiculous, but to all of a sudden to have your archer sitting there go or like your ranger going like, Oh no, I'm out of arrows whoops. Yeah. Now they have to use a weapon they're not proficient in and all this other stuff, like, it really just kind of adds variety to the gameplay.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's where it's fun, though. Say your your ranger runs out of, you know, your arrows, so it has to use something it's not proficient in, Um, but it's just rolling dynamite and just slaying as best as it can, just slaying with it. So then it's, like, funny. Like, it's a funny situation. Or it's just completely eating shit and just can't hit anything. So now it's even funnier because your friend's just like... As long as nobody's dying, it's funny because your friend's just out there getting crushed because he has no bolts. And you guys were supposed to get bolts last week, but you guys have to do this thing. So I think those micro um, complications can add a little bit. But I totally agree with you. Anytime I'm doing a one-shot or new players, I don't make them do style components. I don't make them do any of that. I started at level 3 with new players just just so they just get into it because it's too much at first, even for d and I mean, Pathfinder... I can't even imagine
1: starting new a Pathfinder. Pathfinder. We had a guy um, in what was it? One of my one of my old campaigns for Pathfinder. Uh, I think we ended it last year. Yeah, we ended it last year before I I got moved to Texas. Um, we had a brand new guy, never played Pathfinder before, and so we all we basically like gave him his own set of rules where we were like. You can. We were a little bit more lenient on certain things, um, and like the DM would kind of remind him of stuff, like, "Hey, you don't have a free hand," or "Hey." So we, we kind of coach him through because it is a hefty amount of stuff for Pathfinder.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've heard. Well, I've seen it. I've seen just the character sheet and talking to Pathfinder people, um, but I like it. I, I mean, I think it's almost. It's almost like you don't get bored with 5e like by any means because you don't play to new players or whatever. But when I first heard about Pathfinder and what it was about, um, I was more like, you know what, that's something I can see myself getting into other than like shying away from it. Um, but I will say, every Pathfinder player I've, or DM I've talked to says they'd actually rather take someone off the streets than they would with 5e because someone off the streets, you kind of build them into this very first mold, whereas someone on 5e is like, this is... He, they, they were telling me that it's way too complicated for them. Or, I don't want to say that. In his, in, in this, this person's experience, for the couple people he tried to get to play, they were they kept saying like, "Oh, it would be easier if you just did it with just advantage, or you didn't have to keep track of how much you could carry." Or, I want to play an old player, so I don't want disadvantage, or I want I don't want like a negative uh, score for this, or you know whatever it was. So he even said new players were better than those. That, you know, experienced players in a different discipline, um, and I can see where he, that he gets that from because I've DM'd a new group of players that have never played anything before, and I've DM'd like seven, eight, nine, ten year players that I've never played with before, and there always is like that little, like someone who's played the same way on a table, like maybe tweaks this rule or doesn't like this, or, and then you'll go to play with them, like well, I've never played that way, but then a brand new player, it's like if they're into it, it's like a really cool experience because they're like. You know, they roll a nat twenty or they roll really high, like, oh this is awesome. For the first time it's awesome. They're not really worried about if how much they can carry compared to how much they used to be able to carry.
1: Yeah, and it's like one of the guys I play with, um, he he plays this way, whether it's five E, Pathfinder, three point five. He always he refuses to read any of the books, he refuses to read any of the rules, any of the character info. He doesn't do any of that. Yeah. So, like, even, even when you sit there and you're like, oh, you're from this realm on this map, he still won't read anything about it. And he does that because he's like, yeah, I know how the game plays. I know how rules go. He's like, but I don't want to have reservations or go, oh, well, I don't want to play with age. But he also has the mindset. He's like, if I sit down at a, at a table and I'm a player, I have a DM. That DM tells me the, ro- the rules of the world like i can't change them. he's like you play i don't know elder scrolls you can't change oh uh, i only want to put points into hell and not have to add them to magic and stamina like you yeah. have to so and that's uh, that's something i always try to do as a player like it's not i'm not running the world it's your rules yeah. whatever you tell me my limitations are i'll play play with it yeah
0: that's that's the most 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 players are that way uh, everyone or those people who say like, i've had this bad experience with this or that it's usually one or two individuals it's really not like the community as a whole is actually pretty impressive as far as all that goes i played online games recently with player pathfinder 3.5 5e all in 5e and we played great it was an amazing time um so
1: every once in a while it's one or two situations like that um and i I, I think um I think the players that have like a, a bad time with like I know people who are like, Oh, I had a bad time dealing with carry weight. I I think part of that falls more onto the DM than the player. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's a that usually comes from maybe it's the DM's first time going like, Hey, like we're gonna track carry weight and so they kind of aren't balancing it right and then the so the player doesn't really know how to expect that because every DM's a little bit different, you know, on how they track certain stuff. So I I think that kind of falls on your DM a little little more. A DM that's used to balancing a whole bunch of stats is gonna make obviously those stats better because they're already gonna see like, oh, you shouldn't like tracking it this way is gonna lead to it not being fun, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. And this is one of those games where there's so much wrapped into it that even like a, an experienced player can forget something or not know a certain rule, even though you've played for years. There's a there's like a famous moment on Critical Role where uh, there was a player who's this is the second campaign, so they played for over seven years or six years or however many years at this point, and he's never played a he played a barbarian the first one the first game and he played a warlock, but he never cast a spell that required a spell component per the rule. Um, in 5e, and so he it came to that point where he cast a really high level spell, and Matt Mercer was like, hey, do you have the components for that? He said, no, I have an arcane focus, and in 5e that arcane focus works for everything except for anything that costs gold or is consumed by the spell, and that's a that's a rule Matt enforces, but it rarely comes up because there's only like 10 or 15 spells that this actually pertains to that are outside the arcane focus um, uh, abilities. So it happens, and he's, like, upset. He's like, what do you mean? I've never had to do this before. I have an arcane focus. I've been a warlock for the last two years, and I've been playing for I don't understand what's going on. And, you know, Matt was like, you know what? The ruling for today is you can do it today, and then the next time, now you know since I wasn't clear about it. And that's kind of what I do. It's like if I do a rule where I haven't really talked about it, like we have a campaign running for almost a year now, and something comes up, and I know the rule. I've always had this in my head. But the group was like, you've never said that. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I have never said that. It's in the book, but I've never said it. So for, for this session, this is my ruling. And uh, so we'll call it whatever. I It's I usually in favor of the group. I'm like Whatever you guys think, we'll do it this one. But the next session, from now on, clear as day. This is the rule. And then usually usually that's like got a good response is don't be a total jerk about it. Like, nope, it's in the rule book. You know, you shouldn't have read it. Like, no, it's really not their job. It's the DM's job to say, like, you know, this is the way it should be. Um, and sometimes those rules slip up, even if you've played for a long time. And for DMs out there, if it slips up, just take, you know, a bite of humble pie. If you didn't say anything, you should let, maybe let your group have it or let it be on a, a roll of a dice, an intelligence check or something, and then move on. And then next time, say, hey, from now on, it is this rule.
1: Yeah, um, I've had DMs do that kind of stuff, and they'll normally um – like one of the DMs I have, he'll normally okay. Well, I forgot to say that rule, so do a do a luck throw or something. Yeah. Where and yeah. they'll normally do it off their luck stat because yeah. that's one of those oddball stats that never uh-huh. used. Yeah. So they're like throw it for luck. Maybe you got lucky this one time and we're able to cast the spell and we're able to do it without the component. So I I've seen a lot of DMs where they'll kind of kind of get around some of the rules like that. And they'll do the same thing. And I've seen I've seen good results from, from most of the groups I've played with where they're like, all right, yeah, cool, like solid way to handle that.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's really weird because I was talking to a guy, like I bring him up all the time because he's just an amazing guy to talk to and he has so much knowledge. But he was saying, I don't know the rules. And we had just talked about a whole hour on he played first edition advanced Dungeons and Dragons, second edition three three point five for Pathfinders One and Two and Five E, and he's worked with Wizards of the Coast on a lot of those editions. And I was like, "What do you mean? Just you literally just explained to me that you've won like seven of these competitions at conventions. You've worked for Wizards of the Coast. How do you not know the rules?" Uh, he's like, "There's too many of them to know." He's like, I, "I can tell you more about Edition One, first edition back in you know 1960 70s, whenever it came out, because I grew up with it. But Five E, I, I can't tell you the rules, but I will tell you I make rulings." based upon my experience and how much it makes sense right now. And if somebody wants to argue it, they'll read me the rules and I'll come up with a decision, and that's, that's the way it is. But he's like, the one thing I always do is I tell the group beforehand what his rules are, and if something comes up, how they're going to deal with it. So there's already a system in play. But even some of the best DMs out there, they don't necessarily know every rule. And it's interesting how that kind of works out, is the group can still have a good time a lot of DMs think when they're first starting out, like, I need to know every single rule, and I thought that too. I read that player's handbook, I don't know how many times, before my first session, and as soon as somebody said, like the first five minutes, there was like ten things, and I was like, I don't know how those ten things work, and I have read this book inside and out. We kind of learned, like, it's not necessarily about 100% following the rules, it's just about getting comfortable, and the number one rule of all is if everyone's having fun, it's working. Um, but eventually, eventually, you'll get to the rules and you'll get to work with the group and, and your group will eventually... I mean, now my group gets to the point where if, if I make a ruling and it's wrong and it's, it's wrong in favor of them, they'll actually stop the game, look up the rule and be like, you know what, actually, you, you were wrong and I should have you know, failed that last check. And they've gotten to the point where they actually do more of the hallway monitoring than I do because I'm dealing with so much. So half the time, you're like, well, I couldn't have done that last round. So, you know what, take eight hit points off the monster. And it's super easy now because we've kind of came to that conclusion with our group that we do want to do it as fair as possible. Um, do, you, do you guys have something like that in your guys' group? Do you guys have, like, an understanding of everything?
1: Uh, so, like, in in the one um, in the one game I play with on Discord with a bunch of the guys I know, uh, we got one dude who's like... Dude's like a Dungeons and Dragons encyclopedia. Like, he could... He's actually been able to sit there and go, "Ah, oh, this rule is in, like, player's handbook, page 10, paragraph 4. And we just sat there and were like, how I... However, I don't know how you pulled that off, but cool. Yeah. Um, but he's not, like, necessarily a super stickler on it. Yeah. And then the other group that I play with, uh, with, with my unit, we sit there and... Everyone kind of has sat there and been like, the rules are like guidelines to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not going to be like super hard point on them. If, if you do something where we're like, that actually would kind of be interesting if we let it slide. Like we'll let we'll let things slide. Yeah, that would break the rules because we're just here to have like a good time, and I found yeah. that works out pretty well.
0: Yeah, there's always the rules lawyer versus the rule of cool. Uh, The rule of cool is if something is just too cool not to let it slide, you kind of got to do it. As long as it's not like I cut the dragon's throat with a spear 400 miles away, that's super cool. No, not like that. But if it's something that's like really cool in the moment, they thought of like, you know, I'm going to charm this person at the bar, even though they're like really high level, you know, something or another, and they roll really high, and I say, okay, the rule of cool, like, let's see how this turns out, because it's, it's one of those really cool things. So there's always that thing of ruler cool versus rules as written, and me and my, one of my good friends, Chris, is actually part of the RPD. We've talked about this. You don't have they don't have to be separate. You can have rules as written and just cool shit happens, and they can be within one another.
1: Yeah, um, like one of the things we did that that um, in one of my sessions that my DM just we were joking around because uh, our ranger ran out of arrows because we he forgot to grab arrows. We thought yeah. we were good to go. Yeah. He ran out of arrows and where I was standing as the bard, there was actually an arrow lodged in a tree right next to me. Yeah. And I was joking with, with my ranger. I was like, oh, bro, like I should totally just like grab the arrow and shoot it out of my loot. You catch it and then use it because I was too far to be able to hit the the last shot on the boss. And the DM looked at us and said, all right, cool. Bard, you're going to roll uh, whatever the throw was. He was like, yeah. you're going to do it. We're going to roll this. You're going to roll to catch it and then roll to be able to successfully do it. And we just went, you're you're going to let us do this? And he said, oh, yeah, because if it works, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So,
0: And those are the moments that when something like that happens where – Everyone like throws their arms up. The beer falls over, and everyone's just like, you know, it's like one of those moments that's that's really cool. Um, what's your favorite uh, N or in, Not NPC. What's your favorite PC that you play?
1: Um, PC. What do you mean? Maybe I don't know if I'm familiar with that term.
0: Oh, what's your favorite character you ever played? Sorry.
1: Oh, characters. Yeah. Um, I I have. I feel like this is such a generic answer to give, but I love bards. Yeah, I, I have, I feel like that is such a common answer because are just, bars are great. I've never but played I,
0: with a bard yet. I've never played with really? like the end of bard. I don't know
1: why. I, I'll tell you right now. Bards add such, such an interesting dynamic to everything, because like bardic, bardic inspiration is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like the fact I can use bardic inspiration on someone else and they could just magically that saving throw they couldn't get. Now they've got it. Um, When I do an attack, I have the three flourishes that I can use in five E and that takes the bardic inspiration. And I get to do some wacky stuff with it. Like bards are just so much fun to be able to just do random stuff. Um, So they would definitely be my absolute favorite.
0: Yeah, um, there's one rule. I I always joke with people who are like, you know, I think I'm going to play a bard the next campaign. And I'm like, if you're playing a bard, I want to hear, I don't want to hear, like, bardic inspiration. I want to come up with some jingles, come up with something funny. I want to hear something. So I don't know if that's steering people away, but someday I do want to play a bard. And I have, like, a whole notebook of, like, little jingles and funny things that, you know,
1: it'd be fun to say. We, uh... Speaking of that, like one of my buddies back home, whenever he would play a bard, like he can actually play guitar. So he yeah. he bought a lute one, like, <laughs> one time and he would sit there and we were about to start the session and no one knew what anyone was going to play. And he walks in with this lute and I just looked at him and I went, you're playing a bard, aren't <laughs> you? And he goes, oh yeah. And so that's what it was. Every time he would cast a certain thing, and maybe he would say bardic inspiration, but he always would like yeah. do some jingle <laughs> on his lute, and it was yeah. just it was just so entertaining. Where it was just like, okay, that's just a random thing to have. It made it enjoyable and cool. It, yeah, it does.
0: Yeah, and um, Matt Mercer and the Critical Rules first campaign. There's I don't know if you're familiar with Scanlan, but he's the bard in that. Um, and after the campaign was over, like five six years. Like, the Bard went from a class in, like, the 80s and 90s that wasn't that popular to, like, super popular. Not because of that show, but it just was super popular, you know, later on. Um, And at the very end of it, Matt Mercer was, they had their talk show, and he was like, "Uh, I just want to say thank you for playing a Bard and playing it the right way, because now I can tell all my friends from the 80s and 90s that the Bard is probably the most underrated player out there. And if you look, if you think about it, like, if you just talk about pure role-playing and fun like the bard might be like the
1: dark horse when it comes to pure role-playing and fun and i really i really think that's true because i've seen some and and i'll definitely say it i've seen some really bad bard players um where you just sit there and they're just plain and basic where you'd almost go like man you should be like a rogue or a, a ranger or a paladin like they're just they have like the personality of a saltine cracker is the best way to put it. Yeah. And yeah. I've I've seen some bards come out there like I am not the best bard by any means. I've seen some guys come out and they are just absolutely having a good time role playing. And I've always found that that it really is I've never seen a bard that's really in the middle. Like either they're really bland and just basic or they're just doing absolute over-the-top stuff that's just totally in line with a bard. Like, I, I had a bard one time. Um, he threw a loot at someone. He was like, I ran out of weapons, so I'm throwing my loot at this guy.
0: <laughs> that's a bard thing, yeah.
1: Exactly, and it was yeah. just one of those where, where everyone else looked at him and went, you're you're going to throw your loot? Like, that's, <laughs> that's the decision we're making? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um... I always like to wrap it up with this
0: question. So, uh, as a preparatory command, I'm going to wrap it up here with uh, Where do you sell? Where do you see yourself in 5, 10, and fifteen years with D and D Pathfinder, um, serving in the military? Like, where do you where do you see yourself in 10, 15 years with with uh, role playing?
1: I see myself staying in the military. Uh, that's okay. tragically going to happen. Okay. Um, but I definitely. I think I will always be a Pathfinder guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I I grew up playing Pathfinder, basically. Yeah. Um, And I really like the super in-depthness that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll definitely always be playing... um, I'll always be playing D&D, Pathfinder, that kind of stuff. Uh, Probably going to start trying to dabble a little bit more in being a DM and everything. Yeah, you Uh, you you should give myself the shot at actually like building a world and doing fun stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. Hey, if you are on discord and you DM, dude, invite me. I would love to
1: play. Um, maybe I'll play Absolutely, man. Of... Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. If I can, if I can get a group going, um, I definitely will invite you, my man. Absolutely, oh, dude,
0: send me an in, invite. I would love to play. Um, so Josh, super J, where can everyone find you? And where are you at? Where can people connect? Um,
1: So, I'm on, let's see, I'm on Xbox as SuperJ021, I'm on Discord, SuperJ021, hashtag 4372, Mm -hmm. I'm on Twitch, so I stream on Twitch like half the week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, um, Fridays and Saturdays, so you can find me on Twitch, SuperJ021, Twitter, same same
0: name, yep, so and Discord, right? Did you say Discord?
1: Yeah, and Discord, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I just want to say thanks for coming on. It was, it was good to talk to you. I like talking to Pathfinder players and, and, and players that have played something else, so people don't just think 5e because 5e is always like the thing right now. It's like the most, it's like the hottest thing in, in D&D. It seems everyone plays 5e, Critical Role, Dimension 20, you know, Stranger Things coming out. Everyone just attached to 5e, so it's always really good to talk to someone who's got different experiences. Um, and I'm going to check out this book so those for those of you who don't know because I didn't know A Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell it looks like um, so yeah good tip Josh uh, and um, yeah I really appreciate you coming on um, and for everybody out there uh, check out Josh Super J uh, check out Role Playing Degenerates we're doing a charity event coming up you guys can check that out otherwise we're doing free uh, D&D games on our Discord at Role Playing Degenerates they're always free because we like just talking to people and playing the game. But uh, other than that, we will see you later. Bye, guys.